I'm so glad to be here today, and uh, I hope I have a word that I hope I can get across to you guys the way that I feel it in my heart, because it's a good word from God. You know where we find all the answers, right? We find the answers in His Word, and we're going to talk about that today, and how important it is to consider God's Word. You know, I when I think about getting to talk to you guys, I think about what would I want to hear, you know, and, and I I want answers. I want to understand. I'm kind of a skeptical person, and when things come up, I'm always looking for answers. And I'm telling you right now that we have a book that we can find the answers that we're looking for in. Today, we're going to be talking um, primarily about six verses in Matthew 11. We're going to talk about verses 1 through 6 in Matthew 11. But before we get into it, I want you to consider some things that are important for us to understand before we talk about those six verses. I want to talk about what is what Matthew's trying to convey to us in his gospel, or what the book of Matthew is trying to convey in this gospel. You know, why is it here? Uh, what's it really set about to do? And what you'll find as you're going through Matthew is that He's trying to answer the essential question that faces us men. Who is Jesus Christ? This historical figure that we read about, we read all these incredible things about him. Well, who is he? Matthew does a good job in verses 1 through 10 of going through and giving us methodical evidence of who Jesus Christ is. If we were in a court of law and we read Matthew and you, the trier of fact, decided that it was credible evidence it's an irrefutable it's irrefutable evidence of who in fact he is he is who he says he is he's Jesus Christ the Messiah the Savior of the world now when you look at Matthew think about how he presents Jesus he presents him as the Son of God he calls him God incarnate the King the anointed one the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of Israel, the Savior of the world? Could it be any more clear who Matthew wants you to think Jesus is? So we look through chapters 1 through 10, and he lays out a tremendous amount of evidence about who Jesus is. And then we get to Matthew chapters 11 and 12, and we see kind of a new purpose here. Now tell me, um, everything that you've read about Jesus, all that he's done... In the Bible, what is what do you see in the Bible are the reactions to Jesus? How do people respond to him? You know, if you look at Matthew, um, he gives us some categories of how people responded to Jesus. Some people responded with doubt. Some people responded with criticism, indifference, rejection, amazement, blasphemy, with fascination, and some come to faith. And we see doubt in some people. And guess what? We see doubt even among the believers. And that's what I want to talk about today, is about doubt. I want to talk about doubt because in the life of all of us believers, doubt sometimes will crop up. And I want to talk about why it crops up and what we do about it when it does. So I'm going to go ahead and do that by reading the first six verses in Matthew 11. And I'm going to start with verse 1. It says, When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, now you're going to find out later that Jesus had, had left what he was doing. He had gone into the towns and the cities and he's preaching and teaching, okay? 
So he's, he's left his, instructing his disciples, and he's going on from there to teach and preach in their towns. Verse 2. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds Christ has done, he sent his disciples to ask a question. So remember, at this point, John has been imprisoned, okay? He's in a deep, dark, dank, underground prison right now, and he's hearing this. And so he says, so he, he tells his disciples to go ask a question. And the question is verse 3. Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? Wait, John the Baptist is asking this? Are you kidding me? And then Jesus answered to these disciples. He says, go tell John what you hear and see, that the blind see, verse 5, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the, the, uh, the dead are raised, or the deaf hear and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news proclaimed to them. And then he says, blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. You ever wonder why he just didn't say, yeah, I'm him, I'm the Messiah, just go tell him. He didn't do that, did he? So, I can't get away from John the Baptist's question that he asked of Jesus. He's asking him, are you the Messiah or are we supposed to be looking for somebody else? Clearly, John, John the Baptist had some uncertainties. There was, there was something that happened to him that caused some uncertainty. He had questions, right? Are you him or are we looking for somebody else? So as an aside, I want to, um, to consider this, that when we talk about doubt, I want to talk to you about doubt among believers because doubt is, a, doubt is a different than unbelief, okay? And I'm going to talk about that, but we're focusing on John here. And I want to also tell you that when you go look in the Gospels and the Epistles and you start reading about doubt, I think you're going to find that it's often in the context of the believer. Check me on that. Go look and see. Now, there's a couple of misconceptions about doubt that we need to clear up as Christians right off the bat. Okay? First of all, many people say, well, doubt is the opposite of faith. It's not. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. You see, unbelief, it refers to a willful refusal to believe. Doubt is more about inner uncertainties that we have. You know, many people think they don't, you know, doubt is kind of a four-letter word in the church. I can't let people know I'm doubting. I can't people let people know I have questions. God's going to be mad at me. God's, this, is, this is unforgivable that I have this inner uncertainty. That's not true. Look at the scripture. Look at some of the giants of the faith. Look at David and Moses and Job. They asked God questions. He didn't condemn them. He can handle our doubts and our questions. You know, if I had to be honest with you, through my lifetime, I had, I've struggled with many doubts about God, about his character, about his timing, about where I stand in his kingdom. So many times that I've had to, on occasions, ask God, uh, God, please just bear with me. For, you know, please forgive me, God. I've got all these questions. But he does. But you know something? There's something about the struggle with doubt. Um, I have a quote here. that says, struggling with God on issues of doubt is a product of our lack of understanding. It's not necessarily a lack of faith. And so remember, just keep this in mind, that doubt is different than unbelief, okay? Uh, if you think about it, you kind of have to believe something before you can have doubts about it, right? 
You know, I used to believe in little green men, in aliens that lived out in outer space that, that came to Earth, and then I started to have doubts about it, and I was uncertain about it, and now I just don't believe it. You see the difference? So also, you know, you have to commit to something before you can really question your commitment. Man, have I, have I done all this for nothing? You know? So when we wrestle with doubt, one of the things as a believer that can happen is it can often result in a stronger faith when we put our doubt in its proper place. Okay? So here's a quote for you. Our uncertainties need to be viewed alongside of our certainties and not evaluated alone. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's things that you know about God. There's things you've known, you know what God's done for you. If you have doubt, look at the totality of the circumstances. Don't look at the doubt in a vacuum. Now, if anybody came here as a Christian today and think, I thought I was the only one that was doubting or had doubts, no. It appears that doubt is just something that occurs in the life of a believer. We just read about John the Baptist that encountered doubt. We're going to see in here his disciples encountered doubt. <clears throat> I'm going to look at verse 11 and it says, uh, uh, let, me, let, me say, let me ask you this. We see John the Baptist having some uncertainties. Is John the Baptist just a weak believer? Is he just a guy that's just, he's just a little shaky? Well, what does Jesus say about him? Among those born of women, no one greater than John the Baptist. Okay, so we're not talking about some mealy little guy here who's got shaky faith. This is a guy of faith. Even those that are closest to Jesus, look through the scripture, even those that are closest to Jesus, they grapple with doubt. Um, many times in the New Testament when we see Jesus addressing them, what does he say? Oh, ye of little, what? Little faith. There's times when you see where he says, how long will you doubt? There's many, many scriptures that we won't be able to go through today that address doubt, where Jesus is talking to those closest to him. You know, the, his, his disciples, I want you to think about this. They gave up their lives for him. They were committed to Jesus. And they believed. But every now and then, their belief hit a snag. And Jesus understands our uncertainties. He understands our doubt. And he continually reminded his disciples, guys, don't doubt. You know, try to deal with this, try to deal with this doubt. You're going to find numerous verses where he's talking about it and encouraging them to get beyond the doubt. Now, let's go back to Matthew 11, 1 through 6, and we're going to see that um, Jesus has left teaching his disciples, and he's moved on to the cities, and he's teaching, and he's preaching. And then we learn that John is in prison. He's hearing about Jesus, and he's going to send and ask this question. Now, I want, you to, I want you to think about this for a minute. John the Baptist, he comes into this world with a mission and he is an active ministry. He's got people that are following him. He's every day, man. He's got an agenda. He's out there preaching, repent and be baptized for the kingdom is at hand. He's telling people what to do. Everything is going. And he is going 90 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, he comes to a complete stop. He's put into prison. That's where he's at when he's asking this question. That's what's going on. But what did he do? Where did he go with his question? Did he go to the religious leaders and ask them, what do you think about Jesus? Did he go to um, the people in the community and ask them, what about Jesus? Did he go to his family and his friends? No. Where did he go? He went to Jesus and asked him. Now, we know that this is not settled in John's mind. Unless that poses a problem for you, I want you to think about who John was. 
He's the forerunner of Christ. He announced his coming. He says, behold the Lamb of God. He knew Jesus. He proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah. But something has happened to John. He's asking this question. Are, are you the one? Or should we be looking for somebody else? Now, lest we just pound on John about this, let's think about what he's really saying. In effect, when he's going to Jesus, he's actually saying to him, you know, should I continue to believe what I believe? Or should I believe something else? It's as if he's saying, I, I, I believe you're the Messiah, but am I wrong in believing that? He's looking for answers, okay? Just like we're looking for answers. Oftentimes when we're asking these things, it's not out of a sense of unbelief. It's a sense of trying to understand better, trying to know God, be, be closer to God, know him better. So John is perplexed. He's uncertain. And we shouldn't be too surprised because John doesn't know everything that's going on. Like us here, we have a little bit, we, we, no, we, no, look, we're in a little bit better shape than John was because we have the scriptures and the unfolding of, these, of this story. But even with that, we're in a position where we don't know everything. We don't know all that God's doing. We have limited information. And so, you know, with John, he's sitting in this prison. Things are not unraveling like he thought they were going to. They're not shaken out like he envisioned. He wants to make sure that he's not missing something. And Jesus provides an answer to John. He doesn't come up to him and say, yes, I'm the Messiah. He doesn't chastise him and his disciples for asking. Instead, he, point, he tells the disciples, to John's disciples, to go tell John of these amazing miracles that they saw and that they heard about. Okay, this, this is a good point because... God doesn't come to us and ask us to have some blind faith in him. He, we have the revelation of scripture where we see who God is through Jesus Christ, what he's capable of, what he has done, what he will do. The truth is that there is, if you believe what the scriptures say, it's irrefutable proof of who Jesus Christ is. And so... What does he do? He doesn't just go to him and say, believe me because I say so. Remember, like his parents, you know, do what I, you just do it because I said to do it. You know, he doesn't do that. He uses these, these disciples, at least two of them, as witnesses. Go tell him what you saw, what you heard about. And he told them to go report that back to John. Now, I'm going to take you on a little rabbit trail here. I want to go back, I want to, go back to Luke for a second. And I want you to look, look at Luke 7, and let's look at verse 20 where this is Luke's account of uh, John's disciples going to Jesus and sort of asking this question, you know, are you the one or should we look for someone else? And it says, uh, th this is really cool. Because in verse 20, the question gets asked, you know, are you he or should we look for another? But look at the very next verse, verse 21. It says, we see that in that hour, he healed many people, diseases, plagues, evil spirits, and many of that were blind were bestowed sight. So Jesus has now gone out in the public and he's ministering to these people. These disciples come up to him and say, hey man, John wants to come ask you, you know, are, are you the one? Should we be looking for somebody else? He says, watch this. And in that hour, meaning right there, he healed many. It's almost like he said, this is for John. Go tell John what you just saw. Go tell him what you've seen and heard now. Man, that's powerful. Right there on the spot. 
Let's go back to Matthew and look at verse 11 now because, you know, we've got this curious verse at the end in verse 6 where he says, Blessed is the one who is not offended because of me. And like, what is he saying? You know, what, what does Jesus mean by that? You know, this is, a, this is a gentle rebuke. It's a gentle warning. It's like him saying, if, if you want to be blessed, don't allow anything to lure you into the trap of doubt. It'll make you stumble. Focus on what you know about me. It's a beatitude. Think about the beatitude. Blessed is the man who doesn't doubt. And blessed is the man who trusts. Jesus is saying, I don't want you to miss your blessing. I don't want you to miss your blessing. We've got we've to put doubt in his proper perspective. He's not mad. He's not threatened by it. Now, as a practical matter, let's talk about why John had doubts. Why was he so perplexed? I think there's at least four reasons that we can point to, and these are really the same reasons that we have doubt. One of them is difficult circumstances. We've all been in difficult circumstances, and, you know, if you think about John, humanly speaking, his ministry was in shambles. He's in jail. He can't go out and do the things that he was doing. Um, John's fiery, bold, courageous, fearless approach to ministry had landed him in prison, and guess what? It was ultimately going to uh, end in his death. He's a man that had spent his whole life under the stars, free, preaching the gospel of repentance for the kingdoms at hand, and now he's confined within the four narrow walls of an underground prison. You know, doubt is oftentimes really a product of our inability to deal with trials. And we can understand why John has questions, because let's face it, when we've gone through trials, we've had questions too. And you can see John saying, God, this doesn't square. Can't you hear him, can't you hear him reach, you know, reaching out to God saying, didn't Isaiah promise that when the Messiah came, he was going to free the prisoners and set loose the captives? What's going on here? This is not what he expected. You see, our doubts come like John's doubts come. We, we convince ourselves that we belong to the Lord and that he's going to care for us. And so when something goes wrong, we doubt. Pretty common experience. We ask God, you know, is this what it's supposed to look like when you love and care for us? And then when we start with that attitude, Satan just gets behind that and he starts pushing that. That's what he wants you to think. But let's do what John does when we have these doubts. John goes to Jesus. You know, the message from Jesus is that blessedness comes when you trust in him even in the midst of mystifying circumstances that we don't understand. That's where our blessing comes from. Negative circumstances are tough, but you can make your negative circumstances drive you to the Lord. You know, it's through our struggle with doubt that God can replace that doubt with faith. How many of you, when you have doubted, have gone to the Lord and sought Him and looked in His scriptures and tried to gain understanding, and at some point, you begin to see the picture clearly? Maybe it's looking back at it. That happens an awful lot. You know, I can remember as I was getting older, um, I was raised in a Christian home, and so I was kind of a de facto Christian. 
But then I started hearing all these things about how, the, how these alternate ideas about how the universe came into existence and how human beings uh, came, into, and came into existence and were created and um, other paths to God, you know, through other religions. And I started to say, man, is this stuff that I'm believing really true? But you know what? I didn't just quit believing because I had questions. You look into it. You study. You examine it. You get into the scripture. You, look, you, you, try to, you try to make sense of it all. And you know what happened? When I did that, it not only confirmed my suspicions that I was right in believing in the true claims of Christ, but it really increased my faith and made it stronger through the struggle. And, you know, that's kind of what Jesus did for John. Uh, in verse 5, he says, you tell John what's happened. And that was proof for John as to who, in fact, Jesus was. He didn't just say, I'm the Messiah. He gave John irrefutable proof. And you know what? We have the same irrefutable proof. It's in the book we call the Bible. And the Bible is right. The Bible is real. It's true. And if you don't believe that, struggle with it. You will find out that it has got high degree of veracity. Another reason that we sometimes have doubt is that we allow the world to influence how we think about our God. You know, um, have any of you ever heard someone say, if God is a God of love, why is the world so messed up? Or have you ever heard them say, if Christ loves everybody so much, how come children die and people starve and people get disease and there's war and death? Or have you heard them say, um, if God is so loving and Christ is so loving, then how come he's going to send all these people to hell? You see, they want a certain kind of God. The world says, we'll tell you what kind of Christ we want. If it, and if it fits what we want, then we'll believe. But when you start letting the world dictate to you who God's going to be and what he's going to do, and you start letting them dictate to you who Christ is and uh, what he's going to do, it's going to cause doubt. Because here's the deal. The world doesn't know God. They don't know Jesus. The world doesn't know God's plan. And if you let the world force you to think about Christ, that he must be who they say he is, then you're going to start doubting. And the solution is to do what John did, to go to Jesus, to go to the Lord. We just sang a song up here, and we were talking about all the things we believe about God and all the things we believe about Jesus. Well, do you really believe it? Go to the Word. It'll tell you who He is. It'll tell you how He thinks about you. It'll tell you what He's, gonna, what he's done and what He's going to do. That's where we go. That's the solution. You know, when we go to Scripture to decide what God is and what he's about, what we're going to learn is that he's a God that's going to make things right. He's a God that has the power to make things right. He's a God that has the power to do all these miraculous things that he told John about. And, you know, someday he's going to make all things right in his kingdom. And what we've seen him do is just a preview. It's a coming attraction of what he's going to do into the future. You know, a third reason that we sometimes doubt is we just have incomplete revelation. 
We don't know enough. You know, I think about, I think about poor John here, and we, we see that, you know, John's in prison. He's hearing these things, and it's not computing. He's not making sense of it. And, um, you know, he hasn't, like Peter says, he hasn't been an eyewitness to his majesty in a sense. And he didn't have the, the sure word of Scripture that we have. You know, he didn't really have complete revelation about what was going on, and there was something missing. And so what he's saying is, I, I need more information. I'm trying to figure this out. I need some more information. And the Lord says, you need some more information? Watch this. <laughs> Boom. Miracles. And uh, I go back to Luke 7, and I remember, um, you know, that right on the spot, when that was asked, when the disciples asked us of Jesus and what he did and what he did for John to confirm who he was for him. You got to know the facts, guys. If you want to have, you want to have good revelation about God, you got to know the facts. We've got to read the scripture. We've got to go to the word. And if you go to the word and you believe the word, you're going to, you're going to know who he is. You're going to know what he's capable of and you're going to know what he means to your life. You know, one of the things I thought about is, um, here's John. He's probably in a lot of pain. He's probably not comfortable. And uh, Jesus goes and heals all these poor people out there. It's almost like saying, God, he's like saying, John, I love people. I care about people. You know, hang in there. What do you think John thinks now that he's in heaven about all this? You've got to know the facts. We, we go to the scripture and we learn how God feels about us and what he's capable of doing. You know, fourthly, another reason that we doubt is because of unfulfilled expectations. And boy, this is a big one for me. You know, John says in verse 3, ask him if we're looking for somebody else. Do we need to look for another? You know, John, why, John, why would you say that? Because this is not what I expected to happen. I didn't expect to be here. I thought he was going to come with fire and that he was going to come. And, you know, if you think about what was going on back then, what did all the Jewish people think about the Messiah? What did they think was going to happen when he came? Did they think he was going to pick these 12 totally inept guys and meagerly just go walking around Galilee, you know, preaching and healing? That's not kind of what they thought, is it? They thought he was, you know, what was John's message? Repent, repent, repent. The kingdom is near. You'd better get your life right because the Messiah is coming. That's sort of what he's thinking, you know? He expected him to come blasting evil things with divine thunderbolts, man, and, you know. And so he's wondering, this is not what I expected. Are we looking for somebody else? Or is this, you know, what, what's going on? And so he can't figure it out. You know, Jesus, is, he's on a mission of mercy, right, at this point. And John, he's preaching divine judgment. So it's not computing for him. It kind of reminds me of the people under the altar in uh, Revelation 6. You know, how long, O oh Lord, how long are you going to tolerate this? You know, if you're the Messiah, what's going on? He's got some unfulfilled expectations. And really, um, oftentimes our unfulfilled expectations is because we lack patience to let things unfold. We all know that God's on a different time than we are, and his time clock seems to run a lot slower than ours. <clears throat> but it just didn't seem to fit. So what do we do about this? What do we do if we doubt as Christians? Well, I submit to you, we look to the works of the Lord. If you doubt because you're in difficult circumstances, look at his works. It'll prove that he cares for people that are suffering difficulties. 
if you doubt because of worldly influences, look at his works. He's in control. And one day, that control is going to be abundantly clear to everyone. If you doubt because you have incomplete revelation, then look at his works and study his word. You'll see who he is, what he's capable of. If you doubt because of unfulfilled expectations, again, look at his works. He's previewing for you what the kingdom's going to be. You know, if Jesus could do the things he did when he walked on earth, he can do them in the kingdom. You want to know the best part of this story? John had his doubts removed by the Lord's answer. Let me show you how I know that. Look at Matthew 14. Uh, it's, if you start in verse 10, it tells you that um, you know, John gets beheaded and his head is brought on a plate or a platter. And then after this, the disciples come, they take up the body, they bury it, and then what do they do? They go tell Jesus. Now, why would they go tell Jesus if they had just sort of discounted, if John had discounted, and said, yeah, this is not the guy, y'all. We need to find somebody else. Why would they go tell Jesus? They did because he was the most important person. They believed in Jesus. And why did the disciples believe in Jesus? Because John believed in Jesus. These were John's disciples. John believed in Jesus. He made them to believe in Jesus. I can hear him when they came in and told him what Jesus had done. He says, yeah, guys, this is the one. I must decrease and he must increase. And they did. They followed him. The fact that they immediately went to Jesus is indicative that John was satisfied with the answer that he got. Jesus fit into their lives and fit into their plan. And he fit into John's plan and John believed. The Lord resolved his doubt for him. Now, I want to close by asking you to keep this in mind as believers 2 Timothy 2.13 tells us that if we doubt, if we believe not, he abides faithful because he can't deny himself. When you doubt, God will be faithful. If you doubt, you're not going to lose your relationship with the Lord. He'll be faithful. He can't deny himself. And knowing this, we can have confidence that we can go to him with our doubts. And notice I say that he'll provide us what we need. God is into giving us what we need. It's not always what we want or what we expect, but he'll always give you what you need. He'll always resolve those doubts for you. So I want to go ahead and, go and, I want to go ahead and close this out today in prayer. And I want, to, I want to tell you that if you have doubts, it's okay. God's big enough to handle them. But it doesn't change anything about him. He's the same God today as he was back whenever John was in prison. He's got the power. He loves you. He cares about you. We don't, we're mystified by the circumstances we find ourselves in, but it does not diminish the love that God has for you. It doesn't mean that he's not watching and doesn't care. He does. And if you believe what the scripture says, you'll come to understand just how much he loves and cares for you. Let's go ahead and go in prayer. Lord God, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your kindness, God. Thank you for being patient with us, Lord, and not giving up on us. Lord, we have doubts in times of trial, in times when things don't work out like we expect, Lord. Lord, we, we just ask you to be the one to whom we turn 
when we have doubts, Lord. And we know with confidence that you'll give us the answers we need. We lift your name up and lift up the name of Jesus and say amen.